writing Adrian right now, and he's like a total like raging, oh, yeah. like teenage yeah. boy. I can't wait to meet Adrian. Yeah. Me either. We're gonna fangirl so hard. <laughs> Welcome to the Chaos and Cox podcast, a podcast for romanticy lovers and readers everywhere. Chaos and Cox is a bookish podcast birthed from the chaos of our cock cult. It's a place for all book lovers and especially for those who think romanticy should be its own genre. We let chaos reign while discussing the latest books, trends, tips, and chat with authors and readers. Your hosts today are Jess, Lexi, and Gabby. And we have a special episode today in anticipation of the latest addition to our favorite series. We will be interviewing best-selling author Scarlett Ziegler. Scarlett St. Clair is the author of A Touch of Darkness series. Starting with a degree in library science and information studies, Scarlett found her love of books early. After discovering her love of all things mythology, she wrote her own novel, A Touch of Darkness, which is a Hades and Persephone retelling. Now, in 2021, she is the best-selling author on Amazon. She's broken ample, ample records as a self-published indie author and has her own TikTok account where she runs fun makeup looks inspired by your characters. Scarlet is our fearless leader and queen. Without further ado, please welcome Scarlett Sinclair. Oh, oh y'all ain't so gonna applause with me? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that you mentioned my makeup looks, but I have like no makeup on right now. <laughs> it's not needed. It's fine. You're always like 12 hours <laughs> old <sweet>. makeup. <laughs> it looks great. Thanks. Good lighting. So what has your experience been like training for a battle of the bodies competition? How is your time? <laughs> it's so horrible it really is horrible. <laughs> it's so horrible um so right now I'm a week and a half out for my competition and I will like say 110% like I'm not gonna look like the, some of the other girls on stage which doesn't matter because I did it for myself um but when you're in this portion of prep you get something called prep brain and it's just your brain is really really foggy and I was like trying to focus on writing some KBB scenes yesterday and I couldn't focus I just wanted to sleep uh so I just slept and then I took a huge nap like before this <laughs> and I will go to sleep on time tonight so um I'm just really tired and uh, I'm constantly hungry but I eat all the time but like none of my meals can have any kind of like condiment or seasoning on it right now um so it's very regimented very structured which I kind of thrive on, but I'm ready to eat like a hamburger. <laughs> I literally smother hamburgers and ketchup. So I don't think I would be yeah. able to do that. I... <laughs> you wouldn't be able to have a hamburger. Like my last sheet <laughs> melt actually was, um, I think two weeks ago and I earned it because I made so much progress. Um, but you know, my, my days are about, um, three to four hours in the gym right now, just because of 
you know, where I came from with my workout journey and stuff like that. But yeah, like I do two hours of cardio every day. I do 30 minutes of hit uh, about three to four times a week plus uh, weights. So yeah, and, and I work different muscle groups every day. So I'm definitely ready for it to be over, but I have a feeling I want to do it again because I am insane. Do you have like a break plan for when you're done? How long you're going to take off? Um, I don't know. It depends. So I originally started this competition, um, competition, competition prep with other buddies of mine and they all dropped out. <laughs> I have one friend left who has been doing, she's done nine competitions. And, um, so I went to her competition last week. I did her makeup for it and it was just really cool to see someone so seasoned on stage and it was a very small competition. Uh, but we're going to do this one uh, next week. And then it, it kind of depends. I might do one in August. I might won't do one in October. I don't want to do one through the holidays. But I've been prepping for this for a very long time because I was going to do a competition before COVID. And then COVID hit and, you know, we had to kind of, we couldn't go to the gym. So I had to work out on my own. And that's very hard for someone like me who needs like in-person accountability. Um, and then I was going to do one two weeks ago and I pushed it back because I just didn't feel prepared. Uh, but now I feel prepared. So we'll see. I don't know. I might get through it and hate it, but I doubt it. <laughs> I like to be, I really like to challenge myself. I don't know why. I challenge myself enough. I'm like, you're going to write four novels this year. <laughs> that wasn't enough. <laughs> Never enough. Um, tell us about your new author photos that you took with Cassidy. Those looked really fun. <gasps> they were really fun. First of all, I love Cassidy. She is um, bookish fangirl on Instagram. <clears throat> and I remember when she first messaged me, she used to have OKC in her bio and I was like are you from Oklahoma City and she was and I'm from Oklahoma City so that was really cool so she's my the first fan I ever met and she's in school to do photography and so she was like hey like we should do photos and I was like yes please uh so we had a warm day and we went downtown and we took photos and um I sent you guys my outfit choices because I was like I don't know what to wear to this but uh, uh it was so fun and she made me feel so beautiful like she would look through her camera lens and be like you're so beautiful and I'm like oh, thank you so much it was so great um but she was fun she brought like a crown and like a dagger and at one point I was like just take it away from me because I'm gonna hurt myself <laughs> I'm gonna stab somebody probably myself yeah, myself <laughs> I mean I, I already broke my finger so we know like I'm very capable of that but um no, I'm already um, planning outfits for other shoots. And I messaged her because um, one of the things I love to do is just like post those photos and write something about my life because um, I think I have a lot to say and a lot to share. Um, and I know a, the journey toward being an author is a really emotional one. And so I just really want people to know where I came from because uh, this was not, I know I kind of look like an overnight success, but I'm not. I've been here for a very long time. I've been self-publishing for a very long time. Um, and I just happened to sort of hit on something I think that worked pretty well. Um, so yeah, I just, I like to do kind of that combination. So I ask her to take pictures and then I have some content for my Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time. I love it. <laughs> Cassidy is a very talented girl. Here in the corner right here, I have her um, Poppy and Hawk Pop Funko figures. 
yes. that I got off of her Etsy and they are gorgeous. So yes. she's very we talented. talked about that. Several she is <laughs> perfect. She is a perfectionist, like 110%. Her, she has a Hades pop that she's been working on and oof, it's amazing. I can't wait to see it. She, yeah. the, the poppy one is my favorite. It's so pretty. She had a situation where someone stole her work. I know, stole, I saw that. Yeah, it was so frustrating. Yeah, we were like posting about it on Instagram about to beware <laughs> yeah. that person. That's so frustrating that people do that. I just, I mean, it's just like when they steal my books, but uh, it sucks because it's, and Etsy doesn't really let you do anything about it. They're like, if you have a copyright issue, talk to the seller. I'm like, that's not going to help here. <laughs> like, I need some help from you. Yeah, that's rude. Yeah, I hate it. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of your finger, how's it doing? It's good. I'm going to flip you off. <laughs> um, so my nail finally fell off and uh, it broke. The actual nail broke the same way the acrylic nail broke. So I have not been without nails in a very long time. Uh, so having no nails really freaked me out. But I don't know if I'm going to lose it or not. The story is, for people who don't know, that I dropped a 45-pound dumbbell on my middle finger somehow. I don't know how. I did it. And uh, it hurt like a motherfucker. And I almost passed out. And when I found out my finger was broken, I thought, thank God, because I would have been such a wimp to pass out like it wasn't broken, which is not true. I mean, it's one finger against a 45-pound weight. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I forget it's broken and I try to use it like normal, like press a button with it. And that is a huge mistake, but Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask how do you function like working out with long nails? Because I literally oh. cannot do anything with long nails. Um, I mean, they're not well, super long, but I, yeah, mine aren't very long. And they, I, I make sure that they're like, I really like the pointy ones because I like coming off. <laughs> um, but I ask her to do them as short as possible and that, it, it works pretty well. But once you get used to it, it's weirder to not have them. And I used to not have nails when I was like in the like huge writing bout because I couldn't type as fast. But with with these nails, with my girl, I've, I've been able to do it pretty well. My nail girl is actually from my hometown. She... I met her when I was in high school and then she moved up here to Oklahoma city, which is about two hours where I'm from. And so I just went back to her. So I've known her forever and she's really great. And she remembers every weird thing about my life. It's kind of strange. Uh, but yeah, so they said six months, probably I will, it'll be like that for six months. That's crazy. That's really normal. How is what? How are you doing? Oh, she's good. Oh, I love my baby girl. She, um, she's just so cute. Like, she, okay. My dog is my shadow. She's my best friend. I love her so much. She, um, she likes no matter what this, this dog can be snoring like an old man. And I will get up from bed to like go to the bathroom or something, go in the kitchen. She will get up to follow me into the kitchen or whatever. And even if it's like in the bathroom, she will just like watch, the, she'll be like, okay, you're doing that. And then she'll go like lay down in the closet. And I don't know why, but she follows me everywhere. She will not, she has to be in the same room that I am in. My cat um, does that. If you get up and like, I live in a studio apartment and if I go to a different area of the apartment, she has to come with me. Yeah. I, 
She's just my shadow. I love it, honestly, because um, I always, I was the kind of person growing up, like, all my dogs liked my brother more, which is stupid, because he's not cool at all. Uh, <laughs> but, but I always wanted, like, my animal to be like, yes, you're the center of my universe, and Addie is, like, the center of of I'm the center of her universe and she's the center of my universe and I it's, it might be kind of weird but I remember meeting my dog for the first time I met her at a boot camp I went to pretty regularly and uh I'm always like <laughs> she looked into my eyes and I looked into hers and it was love at first sight this dog has the most soulful eyes I'm convinced she was a human in the past life like um because she's just so I don't know and I just felt like this connection with her so I'm like maybe you've been my dog in a past life um but yeah, she's done this thing recently now where she like, she curls up on the pillow right beside my head and she has to be touching me. So basically her ass is in my face all night. <laughs> but yeah, I love it's her. Cute, though. As long as she doesn't yeah. fart. Oh, it's terrible when she does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about your TikTok. How was it finding out that your books were all over TikTok? You know, what's funny about that is, um, I think I still feel like it's, it's not like people will say, you're like, you're viral on TikTok. I'm like, no, <laughs> but you are. But my friends are. send me videos from TikTok all the time. Like, I don't think my actual friends in, in real life know the extent of my reach on TikTok. So they send it to me like they think like this one video and they're like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, it's all over. Like, I've already seen this like 50 times, but I appreciate you. <laughs> so I have to be like, I was initially trying to pretend like I'd never seen the videos. And now I'm like, I'm over this. <laughs> Sounds so terrible, doesn't it? Um, but I just think that is the coolest thing. And I think that that is a huge reason um, that my books got so popular, obviously. Um and it was kind of funny because I created a TikTok account just because of that. And uh, I had no videos on there for a long time and people were still following it. And every now and then I'll sneak on there and like comment on someone's video and they freak out and I love it. I think it's so funny because I'm just a person. Like I'm literally sitting at my kitchen island, like my feet are crossed. I'm like in pajamas essentially, <laughs> like, you know, and my life is kind of boring, but except for this. And um, so I just think that's so insane to me that people spend their time making videos about my books. It's beyond so you always have this idea maybe and maybe you guys can share in this but you kind of have this idea of what it's going to be like when you make it right it's like when I make it it will be like this and it's never like that but it is at the same time it's like and that's kind of every step for me in this process is like <clears throat> TikTok is something that I did not expect to be a part of my journey but here it is and it's a huge it was a huge catalyst in in my popularity as an author and I think what what blows my mind most about it is the amount of people who are willing to tell me I'm a great author and because for a long time I didn't believe that well you and better now <laughs> I, mm -hmm. you know I struggle with it because it's uh, being an author being any kind of art artist is very subjective you know you're going to be good to some people you're going to be horrible to others it was the same way with my degrees right you know I have a bachelor's in English writing and a master's in library science and there were professors who thought I was fantastic and professors who thought I was horrible 
Um, and it's like, which one is it? I don't know. Um, but I think that that is probably what blows my mind the most is that these people have found not only that, but they find, and I'm glad for this because I don't write, I write romance to try and help myself. Like it's a mental health journey for me. Um, and so they find those very practical ways to connect with these characters. And I think that that's the brilliant part for me is that you can be a fantasy romance author and still change people's lives. And so that's, that is probably what I appreciate most about like that part of all of this. And those people see that and it's, it's really neat. <clears throat> Understatement. It's really neat. My dad would call <laughs> everything neat. Like every time I would do something and he didn't understand it, you could tell cause he'd be like, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> so we have this special question that we're going to be asking all our guests. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. Who is your favorite cock of the week? <laughs> um, the only person I can think about right now is Ben Barnes. And I fucking hate that. <laughs> I know. That was the first thing that came into my mind was like, I think That's it's been It's Ashley's fault. She just sent me that TikTok or whatever, that video of Ben dancing. And we just had a whole conversation about how he's as big as my thigh. And I was like, he's so tiny. Um, but 110%. Uh, <laughs> and Adrian, because I'm writing Adrian right now. And he's like a total like raging, oh, yeah. like teenage yeah. boy. I can't wait to meet Adrian. Yeah. Me either. We're gonna fangirl so hard. <laughs> I am really excited about this book, but what, you know what I'm not excited about, and I anticipate this happening a lot, which is, I love this book more than A Touch of Darkness, and I'm like, can we just like not word th- sentences like that? Can Don't we compare say, them; they're different. Yeah, yeah. Like, can we just say like, <laughs> I love this book. Period. Do we have to <laughs> compare to everything? No, to anyone listening. Yeah. Don't yeah. Do that. <laughs> develop pet peeves when you hear it so often like a game of fate everyone's like I love a game of fate more than a touch of darkness I'm like can you just appreciate both of them to my face like you can say that like elsewhere but don't tell me that it's not like I'm gonna be like oh yeah me too I'm not gonna think that I don't (laughs) think that no for me Um, I'm totally gonna agree with you yeah a game of fate though was like its own thing like I'm not gonna say it was better than like any of your books because all your books are awesome but that POV for a male was better than any POV, male POV that I've read. I like, mean, considering you've from said- From a female author, too. That's well, you've said, too, <laughs> like, how freaking hard it is for you to write Hades, right? And that was fantastic. A Game of Fate was very hard to write, and I worried the whole fucking time that I was not going to sound like a man. <laughs> like, this it does, crazy. though. It a sounds, it sounds so different. The voices are so different. Well, and I think when you're doing that kind of thing, you have to think about, I really thought a lot about, I rewrote, sometimes I think that what authors do is they even, when they're doing, when they're switching the point of view, they even keep some of the description the same. And I thought Hades is not going to perceive the world the same. He is not going to describe people's features the same. He's not going to even, the way he... Uh, the metaphors he uses are not going to be the same you know and so what he uses a lot of like definitely like ancient Greek metaphors a lot of um, just very simple descriptions Persephone really notices color and um, 
she describes people as being like handsome or beautiful and he doesn't even think like that except for with her you know um so there it's just really hard that's why I think I decided I would need to probably do retribution and chaos together rather than um for not retribution and chaos retribution and gods write them back to back because I think that will honestly be easier but um so let's dive into some malice questions. Jess, you want to kick it off? Yeah. So what was your writing process like for Malice versus how was it different from your from the other books in the series and just your other books in general? I was really trying to think about this because um, I don't know. I think Malice felt way more chaotic. And I remember thinking that A Game of Fate was very chaotic but for a different reason, um, chaos or not chaos, uh, malice just felt really big. And I remember getting to a point where I could no longer work in the word document. Preface this by saying that I write in a bunch of different applications and for no other reason, except that I guess it helps my brain. I don't really know but I was, I was putting it in Word and I kept getting lost in the story. And I moved over to Scrivener and I hate Scrivener, but this, it worked for me in this. And what it let me do is chop up my story um, into uh, different chapters and then parts. And then I could think of it in terms of, you know, this is, <clears throat> this is the foundation. This is like all the escalating events and this is the resolution. And once I did that, I could really focus. But the time I was writing Malice, I started probably, I published A Game of Fate in September. So I probably started the foundation work for Malice in October. And then my dad died in November. And I tried to write so hard during that time, but I'm pretty sure I only wrote very few words every day during that time. And then I knew I had a deadline and I wanted to get there early because I usually work up right to my deadline. I'm usually still just like putting, right now I would be putting finishing touches on a book. Um, but in January, I was like, you've got to do, you've got to write this book. Like if you know exactly what's gonna happen, like what is happening? <laughs> um, so I really buckled down to just get words out. So it just felt really long and drawn out. And I think that was probably because of losing my dad and um but I learned a lot about myself during that time but it's stuff that I kind of knew which is that I've always written words to escape my life <laughs> to escape reality and that's what I was doing with this I was um you know just putting all my concentration into this book but getting nowhere it was very bizarre you would think I would have been able to write that book so quickly if I was doing, it's putting all my thought into that book. But um, so it was just, it was very different because of that. And because I wanted to be very mindful about all of the emotions I wanted to elicit. And I say this a lot. I don't know how people are going to feel. I don't know if my words are going to have an impact, but I always hope they do. And what I really wanted people to feel <laughs> was my grief. Because when you're grieving, you want everyone to know you're grieving just something you do naturally you just want to tell people like I lost the most important person in my life and uh that's kind of like what this book was about like I just lost the most important person in my life and this is my life 
in the aftermath of that. It is a whole new world. Um, so, and then going into sort of like um, writing for, for kind of KBB, I think that is, that's being, that's a little bit of a different process that I'm learning right now. I'm trying to refine what I did with Malice because I think it worked really well. Um, and I think KBB feels like a big book like Malice. Malice felt more of a fantasy than Ruin or Darkness. Darkness was definitely like the romance trope. And then Ruin was like my, I don't know what Ruin was. <laughs> Ruin was, I don't know, the book I needed to write so I could lose my dad, I guess. Because let me tell you, that book helped me lose my dad. It helped, helped me let my dad go. Um, and then Malice is just like, Malice is like rebuilding after tragedy. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that is very helpful, but I, I definitely write in an intuitive way. I'm not organized at all, uh, <laughs> which is probably why like <laughs> everything feels so chaotic. I'm sure when I write retribution, I'll be telling you guys the same thing. It felt so chaotic. It's, ew, it's always <laughs> chaos. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> well you touched a little bit on kbb but how is like the world building and stuff different compared to i mean like for darkness and that world it's already built so how is it different for you that is the big difference i know um i know greek mythology so well like <clears throat> it's just crazy how easily i can pull from myth um but i don't know as much about vampire mythology and so I'm having to learn a lot and I'm having to find things that fit the vibe I want for this world. And so it's just been a different kind of process. You also have to go through this process. Uh, I've already internalized a lot of mythology and now I have to internalize, I have to do a lot of research to internalize different aspects of what I want in this world. And so that's part of the writing process. <clears throat> so it's just taking me some time to sort of figure out like, this is the history. Like you have a built-in history with ancient Greece, but you don't have a built-in history with the world that you make up. And so now I'm trying to be like, okay, there are battles. Why were there battles? And how did this you know vampire king rise up and into power and and sometimes I'll hear things like oh he's been there for 200 years and that doesn't ever change like for some reason that's a stagnant thing and I'm like why and it's like I know I'm the author and I could change it but I can't because I know that's a concrete thing some for some reason it'll all make sense at some point but yeah so it's just it's like a puzzle piece I start to try and fit together and right before I got on this call I was working through um I'm using a version of a striga for this book and I was trying to figure out like okay well where did you come from like where does what's the myth behind you your existence in this world because and one of the things I do no matter what is I will research for hours just to get one sentence perfect and so I'm, what I'm going to end up doing for this monster is like reading a lot about this and then I will use it for like at least two words <laughs> to like summarize why. So yeah, it's just, it's a process that I haven't been, I haven't done for a long time because before I started writing under this name, I was, I was hardcore into fantasy and world building and I started to feel like I was really bad at it. 
And even now I get mixed reactions to my world building for A Touch of Darkness. And um, I think there's always room for improvement, but I always, I always question if I'm good enough to do this. Am I good enough to build this world? Um, so I'm excited to do that with KBB. Yeah, Abby looks like she wants to fight somebody. Who said those things will come out? I don't know, girl. Everyone says everyone has a different opinion. Everybody. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of people's words, um, (laughs) like I, we've we've loved you forever, but I just feel like Malice is like the anticipation for Malice is different than the other books. Do you agree with that? (laughs) You guys know how I feel about this. It's really bizarre. I did. I didn't expect it. I guess I should have. Maybe I don't think anyone can anticipate. Maybe the response we've gotten, but um, yeah. And it, it, it's such a weird. I did not expect. So we know. I you know you guys know you got your arcs mm-hmm. two weeks ago. I think, and <laughs> I was just not prepared for the anxiety from readers. Neither were we. <laughs> no, and or just the the people calling out the street team and um like I understand reader anxiety right but maybe the internet just gives people a platform to be more vocal about their dissatisfaction or their fears I don't really know but on the one hand I am very glad that people are so invested in these characters But I also want people to remain kind. And I think my concern is that the fandom would grow toxic. In the end, I think I can't do anything about that except hold the people in my circle accountable. Um, but it's, it's, it's similar to that thing I was talking about, like people get mad with about hype. Like they start to automatically, if you're hyped, you're too hyped or it's going to be bad because it's hyped, right? Instead of it being a really cool thing for that person. And sometimes I feel like we've gotten there where people are like, oh, that book is too hyped or, you know, or people decide that they don't want to read the book because they're too afraid of it, you know, despite the fact that I talk all the time about being a happily ever after author, right? Yeah. People forget um, that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or they don't trust it, I guess, but it's weird. It's weird. It's like JLA. Who hurt you? And why is it Sarah? <laughs> we, have, we have been hurt so much by other authors that it's hard for us to not like even now if I read a contemporary romance book and they're in like a tinted out SUV, I'm like, are they vampires? Like is it- <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna kidnap me and why is it Adrian? <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting because um I get that but I also comparison is so it's such a draining thing and authors do a very we try very hard not to compare ourselves because you can never compare any experience it's just like that would be like comparing my grief to your grief right we we can use that analogy um or how I react to my grief versus how you react to your grief there's no right way so, but, but authors are very intent or readers are very intent upon comparing every aspect of our books to the point that like, for instance, I was, I'm, I was, I'm playing with this idea in my vampire novel because we do know some vampires and some lore turn into bats. And I'm like, that's gross. 
So, you know, maybe they should have, maybe they have wings instead. But like, then I run the risk of being compared to Sarah J. Mass because her characters have wings. She's not the only fucking author who gave their characters wings. Mm -hmm. And just because I gave my character wings does not mean I'm ripping off her. But we, ha- we think about that stuff because it's so prevalent among readers and it, it gets exhausting to try and fight that. Um, so yeah, so I'm just like, can you just not do it? <laughs> can, you, can, you go, can you finally go into something without expectations? And maybe not. Um, but you know, from my point of view, that's exhausting. It's so exhausting. Um, it's exhausting. It's hard enough to be an anxious person, someone who has general anxiety disorder and then watch all these people be anxious and it's like okay well now I'm anxious so thanks like (laughs) you know and I I don't think they realize how active I am in these fears like I don't think they realize how I see every fucking thing they post I literally see it all um and you send us (laughs) yeah like I see it it's it's in my realm of awareness and uh you know, I'm at that point now where I have to step back and not respond to it because there's just no way. Like if you can't trust the things that I have said up till this point, then there's nothing I can do, you know? So I love it on one hand, but it has to stay positive. It has to stay uplifting. I, I don't know. I mean, that Facebook group I have, I created that for myself. I created it as a safe space for myself, but people get in there and they want to say, some shitty things sometimes and I'm like you get out <laughs> this is my space you can it's go anywhere topic. else I'm not I really do not support that idea of a toxic fandom I don't know if there's anything I'll ever be able to do about it um but that bordered on it and I was really nervous and I'm still nervous that people are going to say mean things and they've not said anything mean in particular but the anxiety around this I was very shocked so I don't know <laughs> mixed feelings y'all it means that we've done our job correctly though yes it does and that was my argument the whole time I'm like you this street team I think what I will say in regards to that and this is maybe where I should have taken this conversation but I am an indie author so having a street team that hypes my book the way that you guys do is a huge deal uh I mean this is one of my only forms of marketing aside from what I do by myself like (laughs) like the only kinds of marketing I get are what my readers do for me so to have a street team that is so enthusiastic is like 10 times like beyond what I have ever imagined right um so you can't I can't fault them for doing their job this is what I've this is why you guys were chosen right um to help to help get this kind of reaction uh it's just I didn't expect sort of the frustration with it. There's a lot of frustration with it. I think some of that has to do with jealousy. People want it. Maybe not jealousy, but envy. They want the mm-hmm. book too. But it's not yeah. like, you know, it's just two more weeks. So. Yeah. It's not like people who get the arcs like three months in advance. Like mm-hmm. you just have to wait two more weeks and then you can cry and stare at the wall with the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cry, I think, I, I think that maybe the perception was that it was fake. That maybe, um, you know that the reactions are disingenuine but um I mean you guys you guys are the ones who can attest to it right we had a yeah. whole conversation about this on like Sunday or whenever in but it one was of the like, chats but yeah, yeah it was like, like how dare they <laughs> how dare they think our tears are fake 
it's hard. I think people are perceiving it wrong because it wasn't like heartbroken tears. It was just emotion. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. like killed somebody. Important. Right. <laughs> I love the cat. <laughs> dot dot dot. Important. <laughs> just, yeah, no comment. I think, um, I think also that's another thing is like there's all sorts of ways to elicit emotion in your novels, and you don't have to kill someone to get that sort of heartbreak or or to feel that sort of sadness. And uh, and so people's minds though automatically go to like, you know, I'm going to kill Hades or something. Like. Okay. Yeah, the worst case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go all the way to 100. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing goes to like, I don't want to say we've been hurt by other authors, but some authors are just like, fuck this guy. We're going to kill him. I don't care what you think. Like, I want this person dead. I'm sorry that your heart is broken. So when we've read books like that, as soon as you see someone sad about a book, you're like, oh, they just killed somebody. Like, yeah. But also the thing is, is like, like Lexi said, not all the tears were sad tears. There were some, there were some happy emotional tears too. Like yeah. I experienced every emotion in this fucking book <laughs> and well, they were not all bad. They were good and they were in between. Right. I know before Silver Flames, I was getting a bunch of like posts through my feed that were saying like oh sarah murders someone someone's gonna die and so then i'm going into the book like, like right freaking before out. release yeah i'm like she's gonna kill my reesey baby <laughs> and <laughs> like freaking out and then and then not to spoil you have a never night shirt on i she do made i made it. it myself oh my god it's so cute thanks i was like i don't have Sorry, merch I yet like, <laughs> i am wearing the destiny Woven by the Fate shirt from the Dear Writer Co. So we'll have him too. We got all like dressed up fancy for you. You did. And I'm wearing a pajama shirt. Yeah. (laughs) I do agree. I think that, and I am an anxious reader. 110% I will tell you guys. And I've been, for instance, with JLA for a long time, which is why I won't start from Blood and Ash because I know her soul <laughs> but um you know I, I, I it's just really interesting the things that people just kind of assume and and uh, I, I what I have to do is let go of it honestly because it's going to continue happening if I had this response to malice imagine what chaos is going to be like it's going to be chaos right mm-hmm. um so I just think I have to let go of it a little bit and hopefully um you know keep my circle tighter and um, in that circle, we'll operate as, as best we can. But uh, it kind of sucks because what it tells me, honestly, is that I cannot be as active as, as I used to be. It's just too much. Yeah. It, it really is. Like, I can't, I cannot respond to all the emails I get. I get so many emails. I get so many messages every day. Ask me the same questions, <laughs> like, or just questions that I can't, I mean, like, I just can't answer, right? <laughs> um or even to be involved that much on the Facebook team is it, the Facebook group is kind of difficult. So I've got to find other ways to do that, which I think are, will be through lives, but mm-hmm. it's just a new level um, and kind of some new realizations about how active I can really be in this, in this world. So. Yeah. And you're growing, your platform is growing so much. It's just not feasible for you to be as involved as you were when you had 2000 followers. Now that you have 12,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 
it's just like, and it, with everything I post, I try to anticipate all the questions I'm going to get asked. And I mean, even today I, I posted a, a frequently asked questions in the group and I got asked the question that was answered in the FAQ. So like, <laughs> I mean, you just can't, you know, I, at some Readers point you read. can't. Yeah. yeah, they don't. They don't. Even in, they don't even read the book thoroughly to figure out like, the. I get a common question about what Persephone's horns look like. And I'm like, I there are two descriptions in particular I know where I describe her horns. I don't talk about it every step of the way, every time we see her, because that's boring. Um, but even then I'm like, every chapter we get a description of the horns. <laughs> no, did you, so yeah, I just, and that's just a little bit of a, those are little pet peeves that develop over time because you get so, so much, like you get inundated with these questions and, um, and I hate that I feel that frustration because on the one hand, I'm very thankful for it. Um, but I think the frustration kind of comes from a good place. It's mostly because I'm sad that I literally cannot answer all of you. I would love to do that I would love to respond to every single question but uh, I would never finish a book again <laughs> speaking of that or on that a little bit um you used to have a full-time job and now you're a full-time author how did you make that transition from being a full-time librarian to being a full-time author not well pale. <laughs> 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 Like, let me sashay in front of you. Um, so what, what, so when you say how, what, what are, what do you mean? In like, did you do it all at once? Was there like a time where you were part-time librarian, part-time author, or did you just like quit your job and I'm going to be a full-time author? Uh, I just quit my job and it was like, I'm going to be a full-time author. So what That's happened great. was, <laughs> is, yeah, it was really, really cool because what happened is that my income just like, you know, so as a librarian, I made about $50,000 a year. And you know, that was about like 40, 4,200 a month, right? And then I started looking at my income for my books and I was about 10,000. And I was like, oh, I could do this like full time. I could, I could just write full time. Like this is more money than I'm making now. Think about, you know, being an author is your, your income is very, uh, it's unpredictable, right? But it never went down again, never went down. Um, and, so now, and now I'm I'm a six-figure author so um yeah yeah so so I made the right decision <laughs> um but I, and I was very anxious about it I I started thinking like over the summer like I think I can do this full time and and then we got to it was the end of July and I just came home one day and I said I'm gonna quit my full-time job and it was a shock to everyone I worked with because they didn't know I was doing this uh <laughs> like you're gonna do what now <laughs> yeah so I just walked in one day and I was like I'm gonna I told I cried I cried so long with my manager because I loved her and I told her I said I'm putting in my resignation and she was like what <laughs> and I said I I am doing really well as an author and this is my dream and I have to do it and um they didn't want obviously didn't want me to go and there were some, there were some conversations about like, well, what if you could, you know, become the branch manager? Cause I'd been a manager of uh, the information service front for a long time. And, and I just like, I knew it was wrong. I knew I couldn't, couldn't stay there. And uh, just cause this has been my dream for so long. And so, yeah, so I gave them about a two to three week notice and I um, just 
left and uh i was i was i was really trying to get through a game of fate and it was I, what i would do before is take really long vacations i would take like a week or or you know take a vacation over a weekend and just write like forty thousand words uh that's how i would write books before and so the transition into being full-time was like what do i do and have all this time i thought i would have all this time I have no time at all, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I just did it because my income had, had been enough and uh, luckily it's continued to be more beyond all my, beyond my dreams. I'm used to being poor. So I, I grew up in a poor family and uh, so having income, an income that is like beyond like just what meets your needs feels it feels wrong in some ways and you have to t- keep telling yourself it's okay to have money and it's okay to you know spend it weird it's probably yeah. it's probably weird and awesome because it's doing something you love if you're not making money like doing I, yeah work yeah yeah I um Every day, I cannot imagine working in a structured environment with like a boss that tells me what to do. I was really bad at that anyway. <laughs> like, I was really <laughs> bad at following sort of, I think the thing that being a full-time author really let me do is be someone that I had tried to hide for a long time because I felt like being who I was, and that's how writing these books has really helped me too, is embrace like a person that I've always wanted to be, that society sort of has you repressed. And um, I don't think I could have continued down this path of becoming who I feel I'm meant to be by continuing to work in that environment. It's not that it, you know, it's a bad thing, but ooh, I love the glasses. But um, when you are, when you work for an organization, you represent them, especially as a manager, you would be there, you know, the face of that organization. Not that, I mean, I just don't know that my, my lovely, my very lovely, lovely library system. They're really great people, but I don't know that they would want like a me as the face <laughs> <laughs> of their organization. Um, Could you imagine people just walking into the library and like they know you? Oh my gosh! And you're just like, because <laughs> they already freak out a little bit. Like I watched someone hyperventilate over seeing me from a distance, and that was really weird. <laughs> Six feet. That would be us. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute, but it's also like, uh, please stop. I mean, imagine it happening to you. You're you're sitting here like I'm a normal person. I am, you know, like I'm just a person. I'm a person who just really loves to write things, and uh, but it's really cool to impact people like that. It's really cool to like because you know, in some way or another, you you change some part of them with things that you write so one day (laughs) one day okay Gabby you want to ask the next one yeah um so do you have a strategy for promoting your books and if that's going to change in the future how would you want to promote them in the future um so Initially, I knew what I was writing. I knew Greek Greek mythology already had sort of like a a following on like Tumblr and Pinterest. And uh, so my strategy was initially to share quotes on those platforms. 
And when I first started this, people would say, I found your book on Pinterest, which I thought was really funny. And then once it was published, I put like the first few chapters up on Wattpad. So people think I'm a Wattpad author, but I'm not. <laughs> I just did it as a marketing strategy. Um, and I got traffic from there. And now I do that less. I don't, I don't do any of those things, actually. It's all readers who help me promote my books and my street team. And I don't see that changing because I'm an indie author and <laughs> um, it works. I mean, I think I, we, we, I took a marketing class and it's not nearly what Lexi knows about marketing, but I took a marketing <laughs> class in college uh, for the library and they talked about how like word of mar mouth marketing is like the number one way of marketing. And it really, uh, for me, that is totally the case, you know. And I know from experience as a librarian that people read what their friends read, especially teenagers, actually, like teenagers, unless they're like avid readers, they're not going to read anything that their friends aren't reading. You know, they won't, they won't take any kind of suggestions outside of what their friends are reading. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I'll just continue to do that. I got really lucky. I just kept the thing about any of your books, anytime you put a book out, is that you're going to market it forever and ever. Yeah. And you'll never stop. And um, and so that's kind of what I learned. I don't ever really market my first book when stars come out, but that's because it's a YA book. And I, I'm really moving away from writing YA. I probably won't write YA again. Um, but, you know, if you, you just have to keep doing it. I tell people all the time, like the first year that A Touch of Darkness was in... Um, was published, I made $2,000. And it was published in May and I made $2,000. And then you the make that in a week now, girl. <laughs> I make that in a, in a day. I make that in a day. Two other books published before this. And I kind of learned like what was worth investing in and what wasn't. And um, one of the things that you do initially, anytime you're self-published, I feel like is you, you use these um, virtual like book blog companies. And I'm less inclined to do that because the only reason people use them typically is because they want ARCs. And I don't give my books away for free. I've talked about this a lot, only to my street team because do people don't stuff. value it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's different. If you, you guys applied to be on the street team, right? And I talk all the time about the people I take are people who are passionate about my work because that means that you're going to value it. And people who just request an ARC online or join a, a book blog like thing, they don't value that work yet. So even as a debut, technically under my, with the Touch Darkness, I consider Touch Darkness really like my debut book because even though it's not, um, I didn't give any of those books away for free. So, um, but, but I felt like I had done that before and it failed. It didn't produce anything. Um, so yeah, so I learned a lot about, I picked and choose and, and cho like I picked and, and like from what I had done before. Uh, so yeah, it was a really long process. I think, I think that's very true. It was a very long process of deciding what was going to work for me. I have a segue question to that because I remember your newsletter where you talked about how when you first published books, like. I don't want to, you said it was harder and people said they didn't love your stuff and you were a little heartbroken about it. You, oh, a lot heartbroken. Okay. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be sad. but do you, yeah. 
the way you published and the way you marketed a touch of darkness made it completely different because you weren't so reliant on other people's words as much with your other books or I think that in some cases I think that I had the wrong cover initially for the book that I wrote I think I was trying to I also think that I was trying to be a YA author when I've always been an adult author because no matter what I think there's a lot of things to this <laughs> I think no matter what the book that I've always been an adult author and I tried to fit myself in this young adult category for a really long time because one of the things about my writing people would say is that these characters sound so much older and I just think that given the stuff I had gone through as a child, I probably was just like way more mature. And so my voice came across as way more mature. So I think that was a combination of it. Um, I think that, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. That was definitely the case. Um, I learned from that first process not to look on Goodreads ever. <laughs> um, I hate so yeah, I you know, maybe if I had, um, I, what I, what happened was, is that I ended up learning to hate those books and people will ask me now if I will ever finish them. And I probably won't, I can't, I probably can't bring myself to do it anyway. Cause I couldn't get back into that head space or that voice, such a different person now, but people taught me to hate myself <laughs> and my work. And, um, it took so long to come out of that. It took, it took, years to come out of that and when I started to write A Touch of Darkness I think what I did is I allowed myself to be me and I I did set aside um just all these preconceived ideas about who I was supposed to be as a person and what I was supposed to write and I wrote A Touch of Darkness and so I think it was a huge combination of just practical things and then and, and my my craft at the time and who I was as a person, um, but I needed to go through that. I would kind of like to rewrite those books later, but as adults, <laughs> and I do think that's what people wanted them to be is like way more romantic. And they, they weren't because I was afraid of romance. And look at you now. I know, that's all I wanna write. <laughs> that's the idea I was told by that agent that I should write like YA, like fantasy romance but it couldn't be a steamy and I was like ew <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well speaking of all your success and where you're at now you're in Barnes and Nobles now like how did like what was that switch like how like what happens I think TikTok <laughs> I really do I, I think it was TikTok honestly um because I think the way I got in is on those book talk tables or trending tables. I'm always on the book talk or trending tables, which is insane. Can you imagine being a trending author? Uh, but that's unheard of for indie authors. And one of the things that also happened is that Barnes and Noble changed their rules for ordering indie books and they can now order them. Um, they do only typically at the start order five to begin with. Uh, and I think that's interesting because, um, you know, Barnes, my Barnes and Noble just emailed me and said they could order up to 250 Malice copies. So that was really funny. Um, 
So yeah. And you know, I was looking and I was in the top 100 on their website and like, and I don't know what kind of algorithm that is for, but I just think that is insane. And that is readers. That's no one else, but readers, you know? Um, so, so, you know, every time I hear someone say something negative about my book, I think about that, you know, about the amount of people who are there and getting my book into Barnes and Noble because that's huge for us. We don't, we don't get there. (laughs) That's awesome. So, well, speaking of that, how do you think having your first book, A Touch of Darkness, A Game of Fate, A Touch of Ruin in Barnes and Noble is going to impact pre-sales for Malice? I don't know. We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was already. So when the book went up on the website, it was like, 900 what was it 999,999 it was ranked with that like all nines and then it was like 136 within a few hours so um I don't know what that means but it was a bestseller today will they give you numbers do you know so I will probably see numbers next month um from an Ingram Spark so and then I can also see numbers at the end of the month for uh what are called distribution units through KDP. So I'll kind of know then sort of what people ordered. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I was telling you guys beforehand, like I would really like to reach 10,000 pre-orders. My goal is eventually to make it onto a bestseller list, probably the USA Today bestseller list because we all know New York Times. I'm not going to let any of us in the authors on there. Nope. <laughs> We're going to fight rude. our way to get you on here. We're we going to go would. to their office and Gabby and I are just going to box. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> it's interesting though, because it's like traditional publish. So traditional publishers used to take on indie authors a lot. And then I guess they figured out that they like to say what I have been told is that it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't lucrative for them essentially. But let me tell you, it's probably not lucrative for the authors <laughs> um, because all I get told all the time is they can't give me the kind of money I make as a self-published author. And that's why they won't take me on. Yeah. Rude. Um, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so <laughs> they would have to you, give me millions of dollars to yeah, get, they will. you know, so. So if you don't mind sharing, what are your pre-order numbers for Malice? And like, how um, are they different? Wait, this is weird because we've talked about this, but I know everyone yeah. else does not know. <laughs> um, I, I hit seven thousand for ebooks, right? Seven thousand for ebooks. That's for Malice. But with a game of fate, I had five hundred and seventy-five pre-orders. <laughs> Isn't that insane? That's such a huge difference. That's I know. Crazy. I love that so I much. Know. Ruin was one hundred and ninety-nine. I think I'm. Pl- I ca- I can't find where I put that in there. Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah. A Game of Fate got 575, A Touch of Ruin got 199. Yeah, and I didn't put A Touch of Darkness up for a pre-order because no one knew who I was. So I just kind of, I did a soft launch of Darkness and uh, just like promoted it from then on out. But yeah, it's, I remember just wanting to get to 2,000. Like, actually, I just wanted to get to 1,000 pre-orders on Malice. And then I did, and I was like, maybe we can get to 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're in seven. I know. We're like lowballing it. <laughs> I lowball everything. I really do. I always think, like, 
I was super nervous with the bookish box because I thought what if I like they were like oh yeah you know if we sell 2,000 copies I was like oh fuck I hope I can hit 2,000 copies but we did so it's fine but I was like I was like oh what if we only sell 200 because the idea that 7,000 people out there have ordered my book is weird and you know I know other authors have more but that's a big deal for me like I went from 575 pre-orders to 7,000 pre-orders that's insane to me that's awesome oh it is it's cool so I we all know this answer but we have to let other people know how can people pre-order your books and and what is the plan for the hardback pre-order um let me check amazon real quick <laughs> okay. we should have been refreshing constantly <laughs> we've been refreshing we're still currently <laughs> i know we're still currently unavailable in hardback on amazon but you can pre-order it on an ebook on amazon and then you can pre-order the hardback through barnes and noble and i don't know where else it would be available but um yeah so ebook up for pre-order hardback on Barnes and Noble and then uh, paperback will release the day of publication. So what, a, what are the limitations with KDP? <sighs> KDP is really great for eBooks. Um, but so for hard, for, for paperback, for instance, uh, we, we can't put those up for pre-order and people who put pre-order books, up, people who put paperback books up for pre-order on Amazon are doing that through another platform for like Ingram Spark. But Ingram Spark is very expensive and very difficult to deal with and their customer support kind of isn't that great. Um, and the only reason I do hardbacks through them is because KDP doesn't offer a hardback yet. Okay, so we're wrapping up. Um, what is the one thing that you, without spoilers, what is the one thing that you are hoping your readers get out of Malice? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, these books are my journey uh, as much as, as much as people read them and their fiction and escape, they are definitely my journey through life. And this book was meant to empower. So I really hope by the end of it, we feel empowered. I did. I think it was a very empowering journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I stared at a wall for a little bit afterwards, but overall, it was very empowering. Yeah, I, I should have like said, fun. I hope you all stare at a wall afterwards. That's what I, that's what I want after people read my book. But I, I think it's really funny because I, I think that people expect me to have some silly answer to that because I write romance. But um I just explore all sorts of topics when I write. Yeah. And go, for instance, KBB is going to be a definite exploration of like being comfortable with expressing your like need for sex and like your um, as a female like wanting to be sexual and just needing that release. I think, and we don't talk about that enough in society. It's a very taboo subject, so yeah. much so that. I think we stay in relationships where we're not like sexually satisfied or we don't talk about when we're not sexually satisfied. So um, that's an interesting, it's an interesting journey already writing this book. So, yeah, we're so like, we're already hyping it up. <laughs> I did not expect, <laughs> I think one of the, I talk all the time about being someone who like, you know, like, oh, this is, this is when I've made it right. 
but I literally did not expect to just say I'm writing a vampire book and have so many people freak out about it. You haven't even really started it yet, have you? No. And we're all losing our minds. I have. <laughs> I don't know how many words I have written on it. Let's just, let me just check. So I have <laughs> um, 7,000 7, words written of the book. <laughs> and then, so I love it. But I, yeah, I love this book. I think um, it'll be really fun. <laughs> the tease. So we have five rapid fire questions before we close out. And the goal of this is to be quick. <laughs> Don't think about it. Just give us your answer. The first thing you think of. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Gabby, do you want to go? Sure. Your favorite quote from any of your books? Oh, something that starts with darling. <laughs> What's a quote from my book? Fucking fates. <laughs> <laughs> um, God damn it. There was a, there, I, there's a quote I default to that I can't think of now because you said rapid fire. <laughs> okay, favorite darling, you don't know what I'm capable of. Oh, my God. All right, next. Hard or soft tacos? <laughs> soft. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. If you, <laughs> if you were a chair, who would you want to sit on you? <laughs> I, uh, today, been by. <laughs> okay. Um, Demeter or Zeus? No context, just pick one. The meter. At least Ew. he didn't rape anyone. <laughs> True. <Fair. laughs> okay, last one. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Ducks are really evil, so the I'll take the. What did you say? What's the second option? A hundred duck-sized horses. I'll, I'll take that. I feel like okay. I could deal with that easier than the other one. These were some of the ducks best are evil. You got into the question box that Lexi posted. So that's where the questions you got. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like you won't get any questions. I always. I, I always dread doing the question things. I'm like, are people going to ask questions? They do, though. <laughs> they do. Same question over and over again. Before we close, Stone really wants me to ask you about the man romper. <laughs> what does he want to know about the man romper? He just wants. He he just wants anything. Let's acknowledge <laughs> <laughs> Stone, you you were an inspiration. <laughs> All right, we can wrap up. Y'all are cute. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. This is our first episode. So um, I think it went pretty well. <laughs> I think it went great. <laughs> At Author Follow Scarlet me on Saint. Author Scarlet St. Clair on Instagram. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I really mm. thought it was Scarlet St. Clair author. That's why I was like, oh, God. I tag you and stuff all the time, so I know. <laughs> I just type in Scarlet until she shows up. <laughs> At least just type in author. Yeah. 
Anyways, where can we find our handles, y'all? <laughs> so I am at the Barnacle Bookshelf with dots in between each word. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that and make it sound not obnoxious. <laughs> the dot. Uh, dot, barnacle, dot. <laughs> the dot barnacle dot bookshelf. Whatever cut of that likes that you want to use, you can use the ridiculous one. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Reads by Lexi. And you can find me at Gabby's Shelf. G-A-B-B-I-E. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are the best. Thank you for coming on, Scarlett. Yes, thank, thank you for coming you. on with us. Yeah. I'm going to have so much fun editing. Yeah, you're going to be like, I wish you would have shut up at this point. But whatever. No, never. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This has been the Chaos and Cox podcast. I have been Gabby. I'm Lexi. And I'm Jess. And thank you for listening. And tune in next Saturday to our next episode. Bye. <laughs>